Hello, howdy. This is Spur of the Moment from Lasso Digital. I'm Annika Pelkey from Lasso Digital. On today's episode of Spur of the Moment, I sat down with Michelle Vaca. As a registered dental hygienist, she saw a need for dental care in our aging population. Today, she's the founder and executive director of Community Dental Health. We chatted about her experience in building a nonprofit from the ground up, as well as the challenges she's faced along the way. So, uh, was a practicing hygienist. Um, I've been in dentistry, uh, gosh, for over 40 years now. And so, no, 30 years. <laughs> and um, I just, I saw how difficult it was for especially elderly people to come to the dental office. I also saw, you know, so many people were on fixed incomes and insurance, especially once people retired, um, they didn't have dental insurance. And so people couldn't afford the care. And, you know, these are people who had dental insurance throughout their whole life. And then once they retired, you know, they were really falling into a lot of disease and neglect. And so I felt it was easier for me to take my profession and my skills and education directly to where they are. And um, that was the first, um, you know, thought or purpose of, of the organization. But then to, in order to to address the financial aspect, um, I decided to make it as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And it was pretty, pretty rough at the beginning because there really wasn't that many donors and foundations really interested in dental care. And then the few that were interested uh, only provided dental care or support to children and their programs and you know there was just a huge pop population of the aging that really needed support and so i probably for the first 10 years had to do a lot of education of why it was important for our aging group um, to also have support for their dental needs so you were a dental hygienist and are are you still in that position or you're also the founder and executive director of this organization right so i'm i'm running the organization you know as the executive director but i also step into any um any role that is needed and so uh, we are also like many other businesses victims of the great resignation and so we've had some struggles with staffing issues so i've stepped in and um, dental assisted or worked in the reception or um, still you know do um, dental hygiene days until we can hire some more dental hygienists so yeah i do a little bit of everything where wherever i'm needed i step in we hear that a lot in the nonprofit world. It sounds like everyone's wearing many hats. <laughs> well, um, I guess I'm a little interested in uh, what kind of challenges you've faced in uh, creating the organization, so in your early days, and then uh, kind of 
challenges in maintaining it. Um, it's kind of hard these days, maybe with fundraising and um, things like that. So I'd love to hear more. Well, the greatest challenge um, is being a hygienist in the ownership role. So in, you know, in healthcare, you know, we now know of nurse practitioners having their own practices and stuff like that. But um, Colorado was the very first state in the nation that allowed a hygienist to practice independently from a dentist. And that's the only reason why I was able to form this organization when I did is because I did have the capability to practice outside of the dental office. And, um, and so that has been at the beginning, the greatest struggle. Um, uh, there's been other hygienists that have tried to begin their own independent practice, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, then were, you know, pretty much shut down you know, within the industry for just for the, for various reasons. And as our profession has grown and policies and viewpoints have changed, um, there have been more hygienists now practicing independently um, from, from dental offices. And, and it's really to expand our reach, you know, to, to, to serve underserved populations and, you know, access people who, who didn't have access to regular care. That's wonderful. I love, I think that is just so amazing. Like finding a need for something like this, seeing that folks in nursing homes need more access to dental care and then just stepping up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, you know, and there's, and also children programs too, you know, a lot of, um, parents are working full time. And so they have a hard time taking their children to the dental offices. And so another aspect where hygienists have really been able to help um, even the children is, is providing services, um, school-based programs and going directly into the schools and providing dental cleanings and assessments. And so um, it's just a, a great expansion of of dental care in the in the healthcare sector. I, I guess I'm curious about what drew you into the dental field originally. I had the the best dentist growing up. Um, I was never afraid of going to the dentist, and I always loved having my teeth cleaned. and And so my hygienist was fabulous too, and and she always knew that I loved having my teeth cleaned and she invited me to their office when I graduated high school and said, come in, watch what I do and see what I like to do. And she really um, promoted the profession of dental hygiene for a woman. And, and it is an excellent profession. You know, we could work anywhere in the nation or even in the world. And, and so that's, how I began my journey and and so I would go in and watch my hygienist work and then my dentist said well why don't you watch me work and and so I would go over into his room and watch him do fillings and his work and then they slowly 
uh, trained me to be their dental assistant. And so I was a dental assistant then while I was going through hygiene school. And that's where I just have, you know, such great, you know, experience within the dental care, the dental field, you know, where I can step into to different roles to help wherever we need work that's done. <laughs> I hope they know what a difference you're making today. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> The domino effect. I love that. Right. Yeah. I would love to hear maybe some misconceptions you think people might have about our healthcare system or oral health or in general, just things you wish more people knew. Well, the biggest thing that I encounter regularly and especially um, I can really see the effects of how poor oral health affects your overall health. And so right now there is just a great disconnect between medical and dental. And, and it really needs to be all inclusive, you know, our healthcare. And um, we're, we're making better strides in providing dental coverage in, in dental insurances and state programs. Um, again, when I first started this program, there was only, and, and for many states, it's, if there is um, Medicaid um, coverage or state coverage for dental care, it's mostly for children. And um, where I really try to help educate how poor oral, oral health affects your overall physical health. A lot of emergency room visits, you know, people having a toothache and there's nothing they can do about it. So they go to the emergency room where the emergency room can't really do anything except give prescriptions. And so that, you know, could be a contributing factor to the opioid epidemic of, you know, between um, antibiotics and pain medicines until they can get to a dental office. And um, just the oral disease with abscesses, the research is finding you know, that there's a relationship between diabetes and cardiovascular disease, preterm pregnancies. We need to have interdisciplinary care and, and medical and dental need to really work much more closer. That's wild. I never knew there was like a possible connection between having pneumonia and your oral health. So I thought I, yeah. I knew there were connections between health and oral health, but it is just so intertwined. I honestly had no idea of the scale. So I guess maybe if we could talk a little bit more about your organization and maybe the programs you provide. Um, I know that you started off with meeting seniors in like where they're at in their uh, nursing homes, for example, uh, and maybe how your organization has grown or expanded. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, my, my target population is the elderly and, um, and going into the nursing facilities and, and into rural areas. And so, um, you know, I've really developed the, uh, the ability to travel and go into communities wherever people congregate, where it's easy to access um, 
people that need help with their dental care. And, um, and as I mentioned, you know, as more hygienists and dentists became um, interested in, in going into nursing facilities, and as there was payment and reimbursement with insurances, um, there's been more providers from, since when I first started going into facilities. And um, I've kind of grown and scaled back to where my, um, I have also offices. I have an office in Colorado Springs and an office in Pueblo, Colorado. And um, whereas meeting people, the needs of the community. And so since more people were going into the nursing facilities, I've um, really grown our office locations. And I made this program replicable because it's not just in Colorado where people need help um, affording dental care. And so um, we are in a position to grow nationally. I just need to have the powerful business people um, working with me to help me do that expansion. I'm kind of at the max of my business acumen to, uh, to grow that. But yeah, so we're looking on expanding our board of directors and um, anybody who can help us expand nationally because it really is a national need and a national epidemic. And there isn't very many 501c3 nonprofit organizations doing the work that we are doing. Um, there's community health centers that are called FQHCs, federally qualified community health centers. And, um, but they're, they're all, uh, it's um, supplemented with federal dollars. Whereas as a, a 501c3, we're, we're um, supported by foundation grants and donations and stuff like that. And so we have greater flexibility um, in provision of our care and the funds that we have. You were saying that um, this isn't just a Colorado need, it's a national need. So for folks who are maybe looking into starting a nonprofit like this in a different state or any nonprofit in general, what advice would you have for them? Uh, and getting that started? Um, just do a lot of research and really understand your state's laws and what you can do and what you cannot do. Um, also understand, you know, the business differences of a nonprofit versus a, a for-profit business. Um, you know, uh, the, one of the greatest differences is a nonprofit organization. When I'm ready to retire, I can't sell my business like other, you know, regular businesses do. And so, you know, that's a, a different um, kind of hurdle that I'm, I'm um, faced with right now is when I am ready to retire, what, you know, who will continue the mission that I, that I formed and, um, and what kind of retirement will I have? So, um, so that's, you know, something to take into consideration as well. And, you know, and if there's people out there that are wanting to start a, a dental nonprofit 
in their state, then, you know, reach out to me. Why reinvent the wheel? You know, we have, we have the, the nonprofit status and, and we can move into your state. You know, we just need, as I said, to find the right business people to um, help facilitate that and follow that state's local, you know, guidelines on, on dental practices. Another uh, kind of aspect of the nonprofit world that is different from the for-profit world is obviously fundraising. Um, I'd love to hear more about what kind of fundraising strategies your organization has used in the past and how you kind of uh, found a successful fundraising strategy. Most of our fundraising is um, just really through grant proposals. Um, we have tried to do fundraising, you know, with events and stuff like that, but still just dentistry is not a sexy subject. And so, you know, people are more drawn to, you know, helping children and puppies and rainbows and all the, the beautiful things, you know, compared to dentistry is just really not on many people's target, um, really, unless they have faced um, disease and neglect, then they understand the importance of how important it is that dental care plays, you know, in our life. But um, so most of our target is just um, foundation and grants and um, diversifying, you know, being able to also, you know, support it through uh, different payer sources and stuff and not 100% relied on um, grants. And when, you know, and here's one of the big things that we're faced with right now is um, our current location is owned by the city of Colorado Springs. Um, so we've collaborated with the senior center and have operated in the senior center complex. And we're faced um, with having to move now. And, you know, we're we really, I don't want to have to move again. And so we really need to find a permanent location. And, and you know, unfortunately, it's the worst time, you know, in our economy to look at purchasing, you know, and raise funds to purchase. And, and so this capital campaign that we have in front of us is, is going to be very difficult. And, you know, um, you check back with me and six months and I'll let you know how we're doing. Hopefully we can find some funders and donors that understand the importance and the relevance that we have in our community to help, um, to help us navigate this move that we're, we're, we're faced with. For sure. I was actually just about to ask about that. It, I'm wondering if there are anything that maybe our listeners can do to help um, anything your organization is looking for on the fundraising side or uh, location scouting, things like that. Yeah, we'll take any help that we can. You know, right now we're still trying to stay operational and, and then, you know, being faced with this great move. So um, if there's any, any of the listeners that are savvy with capital campaigns and, and want to help lead us with that, knows of locations and, 
you know, buildings that might be available, or if there's a dentist who's ready to retire and we can maybe move into his building, you know, um, we're just looking at any way that we can continue our services without interruption. We'd greatly appreciate any help. You know, I just wish that the leaders, community leaders, understand the impact that our organization and other community-based organizations have, you know, and, and to keep us in considerations when there's big moves like that too. On a more positive note, uh, you just received the Jefferson Award for your practice's success in meeting the needs of low-income uninsured folks in the community. Um, would you tell me a little bit about what that award means to you and uh, maybe a little bit about your track record with awards, um, how they're important for your organization? What's so rewarding about the program is um, just the sheer appreciation and acknowledgement on a daily basis of every person that we touch. We really make a change in their life. You know, um, as I said, having a toothache or a broken smile or just the disease neglect, you know, really, besides it affecting people's physical health, it affects their mental health as well, you know, and the ability to smile and participate in community. Um, our veterans also um, do not receive dental care, you know, there's uh, through the VA. And so that was another big area that we um, have fundraised and um, promoted to provide dental care for our veterans. And, um, and so this award is just really broad attention of what we do. And I don't know what'll happen, but it does put us in the running on the national side. So it'd be really neat to bring attention of, of the importance of dental care on a national basis and, and the need out there it's, it's really a, it's an epidemic. It's been an epidemic before the pandemic, you know, words came out and stuff like that. We've been really fighting um, oral disease. And so this, this award has brought a, attention uh, to my dental hygiene profession, you know, and it's what one person, one dental hygienist and the impact that we, that I can make for my community and, I really hope that it shows that yes, one person can make a difference. And that for me is what is um, the most rewarding about being acknowledged with this award is, is the impact what one person can do. So if you feel that you have an idea and you see a need more than what you can, that you feel that you can do, you can do it. Um, if I did it, I think a lot of people can make impacts. That was beautiful. I Yeah, that award just seems like it's going to the right place. Do you have any other thoughts before we sign off? No, I just, um, I appreciate, you know, being able to share my story and, and hopefully motivate anybody else who's thinking about starting something. You know, you can do it. It just take one step at a time and, and you can grow, you know, and, and meet the needs of your community and, 
Um, yeah, I really hope that eventually this this program can go on a national level and and meet the needs of all the individual communities across our nation. Spur of the Moment is produced by Lasso Digital, a marketing and fundraising agency with the goal of helping nonprofits raise more funds, spread their vision, and achieve their mission. Our host is Annika Pelkey, our producer is Spencer Hu, and our music is by Sean Hess. To find more episodes of Spur of the Moment or to learn more about Lasso Digital, check out our website, lassodigital.co.